before we get into the heart and the topic that I want to get at, and the, I believe it's going to be maybe two or three weeks of this, but for sure there's going to be a part two. But before I get to the condition of our heart, I want, I want you to understand the why there's a, even a condition. Why is there a condition? Well, if there's a condition, then there must be a problem. And this problem is a problem that we all face. Every single one of us face this problem. And this problem is a problem that started way, 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 way back in the beginning of mankind. And this problem started with Adam and Eve. And I'm sure you guys know where I'm getting at with this one. This problem occurred when they ate from the forbidden fruit. And that problem is called sin. It is a big problem. And it's obviously, and the word sin is a, it's an ugly word, right? It's a word that not many of us like to say. We all like it or not, have a sin problem. And obviously some of us measure sin. I'm not going to talk about the measuring of sin and all of that. We'll get to that possibly a little further down the road. Because to be honest with you, a sin to God is a sin to God. It doesn't matter the measure. We're the ones as humans that measure sin. There's a reason why Jesus said it while he was speaking in one of his many, many tours, right? As I like to say, not many people call it tours, but yeah, Jesus obviously went all over uh, when he was preaching and obviously performing his signs, wonders, and miracles. And as he was saying, one of his many teachings, he was telling us individuals, men, women, whether even if you, even if you look at someone lustfully, it is the same as if you had committed that lust or adultery or murder, depending on who you are, what you've done. But to Jesus, a sin, to God, a sin is a sin. But it is a problem. We don't like to use the word sin. When it happens, we make a mistake. We mostly say the word, I made a mistake. It was an error in my part. I messed up. You know, you know we all do it. It's okay. Sometimes we even... When, when we talk to someone about a mistake we made, we say, well, I made a mistake, and we try to make it, we try not to, we try not to, we try to steer away from the word sin. How many times have you heard someone actually say, like, King David when he sinned, I have sinned against God? Not rarely, not rarely. This is a problem. Politicians, when they sin, they say, oh, I made a... A miscalculated decision. <laughs> I love that. How many politicians you hear say, I have sinned against God? Ooh, this is getting deep. Yeah. The problem is that we are sinners. Obviously, I'm going to get to the solution. All I'm talking about is the problem now. Bear with me. If you're receiving so far, say Amen. We can't live this life thinking that we're never going to sin ever again. There's some people, obviously, we strive, we push, 
We resist. Amen. Don't, don't, don't start now thinking like all these other people say, hey, it's already done. We don't have to do anything. Yeah, you're right, but not really. It is finished. It is done. Jesus conquered the grave. Jesus conquered sin. But that doesn't mean we don't have to do anything. We're called to pursue. We're called to resist. We're called to do something, to go. Wanted to clear that out of the air. I'm going to tell you a quick story. And this is pretty, this is, this is going to relate to all of us. The scorpion and the turtle. What? Yes, I'm getting somewhere. <laughs> so there's a river. And the scorpion wants to get to the other side. And he says, he needs to, but the scorpion can't swim. So he sees a turtle along the shore. He says, hey, turtle, can you help me get across to the other side? The turtle says, no. Are you crazy? You're going to sting me. I don't want to get stung by a score by you. But then the scorpion says, how can that be? Think about it. If we're both, if I'm on top of your back, we're swimming across. Why would I sting you? If I sting you, we both will drown. The turtle's like, you know what, yeah, I guess you're right. Okay, fine, hop on. So as they're halfway across the river, the scorpion stung the turtle. And as they're drowning, the turtle says, why would you sting us? And then the scorpion said, I can't help it. It's in my nature. You see, the same works with sin. It's a universal problem. How many times have you ever truly repented and then it happens again? And maybe, obviously, we each have different issues. We're not called to judge. But what I am saying is that don't ever expect this life that you're going to continue to go on and never make a mistake again. To get that out of your head, don't think that, God loves you less or any of these weird uh, things that the devil instills in you to try to get you to believe. Oh, you messed up. You must not love God. Listen, it's in our nature. There's going to be a day that we make a mistake again. And I'm not here to try to encourage mistakes or tell you that now you have a license to sin. Oh, no, 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 no. Chill. That's not, what we, that's not how we live. We don't plan our repentance. That's not the way this life works. I have a question, because sometimes this is where I kind of like get to the measure of sin, because we as humans tend to do this. We all are very calculated. We all like to measure things, right? One plus one is two, you know. This individual definitely sins a lot. Who, who is the biggest sinner you know? Please don't look at your neighbor. <laughs> Who's the biggest sinner you know? And you're on the internet, do not be looking at your husband or wife right now. I'm getting somewhere with this, okay? Some of you may be saying, well, I mean, if you really ask me this question, uh, I know some people that have done some really bad things. Other people that have done lighter things. You know, my kids, sometimes they lie, no big deal. But this other guy, there's other people on the news that you see have done horrible, terrifying things. It's hard to not... 
it's hard to not measure some certain things, right? When you see what the heck is going on out there, it's kind of sickening, to be honest with you. I'm not going to get in detail, but we all are adults here. And, uh, and those of you that are even not adults know what I'm talking about, how dark the world is. And obviously, that's why we know we need to be the light of Christ out there. But I'm making a point of where I'm getting at. Doesn't matter the level of sin. Look, look what Paul said, because Paul makes the most interesting point. In 1 Timothy, how many of you remember Paul? Say amen. You see, Paul, before he was Paul, he was Saul. And what he used to do, what his job, nine to five was, was kill people like me and you that were believers of Jesus. That was his nine to five. He was a murderer. But obviously, we know the story with Paul. He obviously... He's one of the pioneers. The, the, he has established the most churches in the history of, of, of modern, of since, since Jesus Christ obviously resurrected for us in modern day Christianity. I guess you would say 2,000 years plus. He established the most churches. The, he's one of the, the top pioneer of our Christian faith, the Apostle Paul. And look what he says in 1 Timothy 1 15 through 16. This is Paul. He says, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Whoa, hang on. Yes, here it is. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Say amen. amen. Of who I am the worst. This is Paul. The apostle Paul. The one that wrote half of the, almost half the books in the New Testament. He said, of who I am the worst. Paul says that. But for, look at verse 16. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy. So that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example Glory be to God for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Hallelujah. So right here, Paul is letting all of us know that he himself was the worst of sinners. He did unspeakable things. But even in that, God used Paul. I don't care who you are or what you've done. God used Paul as a prime example so that everyone else would know, if I can use Paul, I can do the same with you. I can do the same with you. As a matter of fact, I was doing some research on it. And it's crazy. You know, because in the beginning, right when Jesus died, resurrected, there was a, you know, the disciples were preaching the word of God. Paul still was, he was looking for Christians to kill. So there were certain churches, once Paul made his transformation, there were certain churches in the first hundreds, in the first century. Obviously after Jesus, after death. I don't call it año domini, I call it after death or before Christ. Amen. Let's get that right. They were afraid to have Paul come to, this, to, 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 the, to visit them. Because of they knew what his reputation was. Can you imagine how bad it must have been for Paul to say that? 
Listen, there is no excuse why you shouldn't own up to the fact that you've sinned and you may commit another sin again. No one is sinless. No one is better than you. No one was made better than you. Don't think that either. We're all equal. Jesus died for all of us regardless how much garbage and how much baggage you think you have. If you believe that, put your hands together. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now what does that have to do with my heart condition? Well, I'm all, I've been talking about sin for the last 15 minutes, 10 minutes, but it's important that you realize that recognizing that you're a sinner is the first step in recognizing the condition of your heart. That's the first step. You have to understand and realize that. The sooner we can admit that we are sinners, the sooner God can begin to work in your heart condition. Let me get an amen. amen. Let's go now to the heart. Let's dig deep. Hallelujah. If you're receiving something so far, say amen. amen. Proverbs 4.23, the NIV version. This is the son of King David, Solomon. I don't know if you know the book of Proverbs. It's called, considered in the Bible, the book of wisdom. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Your heart is the most important tool you have. Not your experience, not your knowledge, not your skills. Your heart is the most important tool you have. I'm going to tell you a story. Uh, this was about probably like three or four, this was like five years ago. I, uh, I was in a, I was, well, me and two other guys. I'm also an entrepreneur. I'm not just a pastor. Praise the Lord. I have other businesses and and to God be the glory. Um, amen. So I'm going to talk to you about a story. And basically it was me and these two other guys. And we were going to start a company. And we had a business plan. And uh, X amount of dollars that we each needed to put. And our roles in the business. And, you know, that's normally how a business deal gets done. You have either a partner or you do it on your own. Um, but in this case, we had partners. And the idea was great. And... Everything was looking uh, up to par. And we had our time, uh, you know, line for when we were going to do what we had to do. And I'm not going to get into specifics, but what ended up happening was time went by and we had to keep dishing out more money. Because the idea or when we projected the day of when, you know, we thought we were going to make money, well, it didn't happen. Haven't many of you heard stories like that before? <laughs> right? You want to start a business venture, it doesn't always go your way. Sometimes it goes better than you planned, praise the Lord, but sometimes it doesn't. And in this case, um, it didn't. And little by little, I was uh, beginning to uh, lose heart, <laughs> if you will. I was beginning to doubt. I was beginning to, yeah, saying, okay, what's going on? 
And eventually, you know, we were getting closer and closer and closer to this. Um, and there was a time that one of them ended up backing out. And I was in a deep circuit. It was, it was a lot of pressure. You know, when you put in money and you continue to put in money, your time, your sweat, your blood and tears into something, uh, you, you got to continue to pursue it. You can't just give up. So I didn't want to give up, but I'm telling you, it wasn't easy. There was a time where I wanted to just throw the towel. And then eventually, <clears throat> excuse me, eventually the second investor or partner, uh, he ended up throwing the towel as well. So then now I'm here by all alone by myself, and I'm like, well, you know what? I ended up getting the whole company, and praise the Lord that I didn't lose heart. And after so many years, I continue to keep on going. Everything's going well now, praise the Lord, with that specific venture. But this is the reason why it's important to guard your heart. Because when you guard your heart, you're protecting yourself from when negative circumstances or situations occur in your life, and you don't lose heart. You stick to it. You keep believing. That was one of my many, many, many stories of when I felt like throwing the towel. And I'm sure many of you have your stories as well. I want you to look at it again. Proverbs 4.23 from the living, New Living Translation, the NLT. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else. What does above all else mean? That's your priority. Your heart is your priority. I want to give us, I want to talk to you about three reasons why you must guard your heart. Are you with me, church? Say amen. The first one. You may want to write this down. Write it on your notes. I'm getting very, I'm going I'm to dive deep. Hallelujah. Today we're going to walk out of here. We're going to be with our hand in our heart. No one's going to get near this. <laughs> Hallelujah. The first and most important reason. Well, excuse me. I won't say the most important. These are all very important. The first point of why you must guard your heart. Because the heart is extremely valuable. We don't guard something that's useless or doesn't have any value. You guard something that's precious to you that, you, that is above everything else. That's why Solomon wrote, above all else, guard your heart because it's extremely valuable. When I take out my garbage, when is it, Thursdays? Saturday? I don't even remember. But when I take out, when you take out your garbage, you take it out the night before, and then you go back inside and you leave it outside. You're not worried about if someone's going to steal your garbage. It's worthless. Can I get an amen? Come on, you can clap your hands if you want. It's true. What, what happens? You guard what's valuable to you. You know, if you have a really nice car, you're not going to just leave it outside with the doors open. You know, you don't want to leave something outside that you don't really, I was going to say a joke, but I'm not going to get there. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
The important thing is to understand that your heart is extremely valuable. You don't do these kind of things with your heart like leaving the, the garbage as an example. It's worthless. Your heart, pay attention, is the essence of who you are. It is your authentic self, the core of your being. Woof. It's where all the dreams, your desires, and passions live. That's where your emotions are tied to. You look at the Bible and it talks about heart all the time. And it's crazy because I never looked at it like this in such a profound manner. I'm making a series out of it, praise the Lord. And we're going to keep on learning more about it. But... Your heart is so important, and the way God describes the heart, and I'm going to talk about a lot more verses, but I'm still on topic number one, and praise God, we still have a little more time. But just like your physical body, if your heart dies, you die. If your heart dies, you die. That's why Solomon said, above all else, you need to make it a top priority. Point number two, because your heart is the source of everything you do. King Solomon said it determines the course of your life. This is important, church. Your heart overflows into different thoughts, words, and actions. I want you to picture your heart like, for example, in America we have Thousands and thousands and thousands of natural springs all over the country. And these natural springs, what happens is it flows to the surface of the earth, deep from under the ground, and then it accumulates into pools and streams. And these streams, I want you to picture these streams going for miles and miles and miles. And these streams give water, nutrients, not only to the plants, the animals, even to some human beings drink from this, these waters. If you plug up the spring, what would happen? You stop the flow of water. Same if you think about it, how your heart works in your physical body. Flows the blood through the arteries. It affects the livelihood crops and in many cases even humans, as we said. Because it, it would, if you were to block that stream, that flow of water... What will happen? The water's not going to go to where it needs to go. Us, we won't have the water to drink. If you live by that stream or Exum, whatever stream. The animals will be affected. The crops will be affected. If you poison the water, now the flow becomes toxic. And you see, what happens is this flow doesn't only affect you. This flow affects your family. This flow affects your loved ones. This flow affects your career. This flow affects your, your, your state of mind. This flow will affect your peace. If it's toxic, if your heart is not guarded and it's toxic, it's not only just going to affect you, it's going to affect the people around you. Everything depends on the flow if your heart is unhealthy, it has an impact on everything else. And let me tell you that. It's not only just, 
yeah, like I say, it's not just your personal life as well. It'll be your, obviously, your, your core, your family will get affected, your loved ones. But also, the plans that God has for you gets affected as well. Your ministry gets affected. You know that God has, obviously, a plan for not only you and your household, right? This is, this is not just for you. This is bigger. It will affect people that are toxic, people that have uh, problems internally. What happens is, is that we are point number three under attack. Point number three, your heart is under constant attack. And the enemy knows this very well. What he does is he attacks you not from the outside, he goes from the inside. Why does he do that? Well, because what, from what's on the inside is what comes out. He knows this. He wants you to lose heart so you lose everything. He knows that if he goes on the inside, why does he go on the inside? Well, look what it says in 1 Samuel. People judge the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Proverbs 27, 19, as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. So if people see you all messed up, see you all down, they know you have a problem because it's coming from the inside. You need to guard your heart. Glory be to God. Because the enemy wants you to lose heart. He wants you to lose faith. He doesn't want you to go where God wants you to go. He doesn't want you to see, receive the blessings. Matthew 20 through 22, 37. Jesus replied, love the Lord with all your first. What does he say? Love the Lord with all your and with all your soul and with all your mind. But the first one that he says is your heart. Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your will be also. I didn't realize it, but the word heart in the Bible is more than like 900 and something times. I didn't, I don't, it's insane how many times it's used. Sometimes I didn't think about it like that. But look what it says in Jeremiah 29 and 13. The heart, it works both ways. You will seek me. And find me when you seek me with all your heart. Mark eleven twenty three. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in there. But believes what they say will, it will happen, it will be done for them. Believe it in your, in your heart. You see, the heart, it works both ways. Because <laughs> if you doubt, the mountain's not going to move. Where do you doubt from? Where do you believe from? Wow. If you seek from the, you will find. Glory be to God. But if you don't. You're not, you're not either, you either, either you are, or you aren't. It's all based on what you believe or doubt. The faith or doubt comes from the. 